Welcome to our ongoing series sponsored by Catholic Church Reform International. I'm your moderator, Rennie Reed. Our guest today is Dr. Anthony Massimini, who has a doctorate in spiritual theology and attended the first session of the Second Vatican Council. He's lectured widely on philosophy and contemporary spirituality and is the author of The New Dance of Christ, Discovering Our Spiritual Self in a New Evolving World. Welcome, Tony. Good to have you. Thank you, Renee. Good to be here with you. You were present for the first session of the Second Vatican Council. Not many people left alive today who can who can say that. So tell us, what was it like? And do you think it's had any lasting impact on today's church? Well, it has, but minimal. I would wish it had a lot greater impact. I'm, I'm afraid it just didn't get completely uh, fulfilled, didn't get completely uh, applied. But it was a great thrill for me as a young priest back then uh, to be chosen and to go there in the first for the first day, especially to see uh, Pope John Twenty Third come into the uh, basilica. He was crying. He was, you know, he was so moved by all this. Twenty five hundred bishops and cardinals there, and me. You know, I was uh, an assistant. I wrote speeches in Latin for the American bishops. And it was a thrill every day for me, yes. And I especially was thrilled to hear the speeches and to hear the, actually the arguments that were going on to try to move the church forward into the then 20th century. Well, you write about how we the lay faithful can bring the church spiritually up to date in our everyday lives. Can you give us very specific ways of how we might do that? Well, first and foremost, I like to say every everybody, and it applies especially today. When we think of the church, we should not just think of the church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. We should think of the church at 11 o'clock every week morning. When we're home, when we're at work, when we're in school, when we're in, uh, doing uh, business, the doctors or, and dentists are working, that's the church. Right? As we are today, since we can't literally get to the physical church building, we are still the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ in the world. And we, our job is to help to bring the kingdom of God into the world. Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, here on earth. And our job is to bring the kingdom of love for everyone without exception here on earth in everything we do. And so this is a good a time now, especially because of the horrible, horrible <clears throat> virus contagion that we have, to see, have to look around and say, what can I do right now to help bring love and peace to the church, to the world, in my own life, in my own world, in my own, according to my own capabilities. You've often made the point that the way things work is not that God just speaks exclusively to the Pope or <clears throat> speaks exclusively to the bishops who in turn speak to a passive laity, but rather God speaks and gives the truth to the whole church. All the people of God are called and empowered to participate and collaborate in discerning what God is saying to us today. And particularly, as you say, in this age of the coronavirus and of our isolation, share more with us about this. What can we be doing? 
What is God saying to us? It's saying to us that God gives us abilities and he gives us talents and he gives us opportunities. And we have very many right now to show love for everybody in the world without exception, but especially for the poor, the sick, the outcast and the vulnerable. And so all that is very applicable today. We, that's our vocation. God gives us all the vocation. We have, we have talents, we have abilities, we have opportunities. So we have, when God wants to talk to us, he, points, he puts these opportunities in front of us and says, now I'm giving you talents, uh, you know, and they're everyday talents. Uh, parents could make sure that their schools are doing the right thing with education. Uh, we, when we vote, we have to make sure we're doing the right thing to build the kingdom of God, not to get trapped in our politics, but to elevate our politics to that love for everybody, for a wholeness. And so it's, it's always, we're using our vocations and our opportunities to build the kingdom of God. And that's how God talks to everybody, everybody. And, and we give that to the church. We give that to our church. And somehow what you're saying seems even more relevant in this space of isolation from everyone we have more time to contemplate more time to reflect on this but also through the age of technology ways to communicate with each other perhaps a little bit more meaningfully absolutely absolutely and we have to take advantage of even this terrible thing that has hit us which god did not do for us i mean god did not cause we have to remember that nature caused this particular virus to come it's not god god doesn't punish people god loves people and dies for people so we have to understand that but god has challenges us through the nature <clears throat> because nature is finite and therefore nature can't be perfect so nature is giving us this the terrible plague and god is saying to us i've given you everything you need to work this thing through and work this thing out and be aware of me and what i can do for you but because you can do good for others as you can do you can shop for others you can help others you can do whatever is necessary to, today to do what you need to do and that's that's how we understand the, our church and that's how we we pardon me we relate to god well we don't relate to god we relate back to god the word religion means to re-ligate to to you know to tie ourselves back god ties himself to us we tie ourselves back and so we have to respond to God. And that's how we respond to God today. Oh, I love it. In your book, The New Dance of Christ, you succeed in presenting an account of the human condition that ties together the best of both modern science and Christianity. Tell us about that. Yes. <clears throat> we have to understand our, our faith and make sure that it does make sense. Uh, if, if anything about our faith contradicts reason, I mean, right reason, we have to be careful of that, then we can't believe it. I mean, we're not, we're not silly, we're not stupid. Uh, God gives us the faith and God gives us our mind and they must coalesce. So you know, the old idea was, how could God be one and three at the same time because uh, one, if one does not equal three? Well, it took a couple hundred years, but they figured that out, that there was a trinity in the one God. And the same thing here. Uh, we can't say, as some scientists are saying, the universe uh, created itself. That's absurd. 
contradicts our reason. That contradicts reason. If if something something can't create itself if it doesn't exist. If it doesn't exist, it, doesn't, it can't create itself. So that type of thing. So we have to put the two together. So that means we have to study our faith and apply our reason to and science. And today, pardon me, my April, my April allergies are getting me. Today, science is saying that everything ultimately is consciousness. What a beautiful thing, because God is the consciousness of overflowing love, overflowing, self-giving love, creative, saving, and world-transforming and evolving love. That's God. That's the universe. The universe is the image of God, and God created consciousness, and our consciousness is what creates the world. We, we literally, we would literally take the consciousness, the soul of the universe, and our own spirit, our own soul, and we use our our, pardon me, our senses to create the three-dimensional world. That's a lot to say. But what it means is everything goes back to the ultimate universal consciousness, which is the image of God. And so everything we do, we're imaging God. We're imaging God. And science is, is a servant of that imaging of God. It's a servant of our reason to show us everything that we believe is reasonable. It makes sense. It's hard to accept, but I hope I get through there with that. You know, Tony, through your writings and teaching, I see that you often talk about the church needing to catch up with the world. Mm -hmm. And God knows we finally have a Pope who is doing everything he can to make the world more human. I think for me, this is the first Pope we've had since John the 23rd that has really accentuated the need for the church to be a human a human community do you see the church as a whole making any progress on that particularly since francis was elected yes francis i thought to me francis is another john 23rd <laughs> and pardon <clears throat> me when john 23rd opened the second vatican council he said those words which everybody learned we have to <clears throat> have to open the windows and let the spirit fly in well, Francis is a journamento, which means we have to come up to date. Yes. And so we have to come up to date and, and be in the world and serve the world as Jesus did. Jesus did, <clears throat> spoke to his everyday people. He, he talked about everyday issues. He, he was there with the people. He helped the poor, especially. In, and that was the biggest thing. Help the poor, help the vulnerable, heal the sick. That's what he did. That's how he, he brought God to the world by then forgiving our sins and doing those things. And that's what John said, go out and work in the, in, the, in the world, go out and work in the fields, go out and work in the cities and where you are. And then, and meet the world where it is. Today's world, of course, is not the same as the world from Vatican II, where we're much more advanced scientifically and, and especially with all our computers and all that kind of stuff. And so we have to face, save the world today, our politics today, our corporations today, our, 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 everything about our work and the professions, the way they operate, and even our schools. You know, the schools are our schools. We're, we're responsible for our schools. So the teachers and the administration is, of course, but we are too. They're our children. You know? And we, we expect all this to be done. And Francis is doing that. Francis talks spiritually. He talks 
about people in their everyday life and our everyday situation. And he does that. I know there are people in Rome who don't like that, but that's okay. He's doing the same thing John 23rd did. And he's telling God bless him for it. And he's trying to get away from the church being a church of mm-hmm. rules and laws, wagging its finger at us, saying thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. Mm-hmm. He's trying so much to make it a welcoming, inclusive human. Yes. What he talks about is, is the church being like a field hospital that is there to heal our wounds. I love that aspect of him. Absolutely. The original church for the first 300 years was that kind of a church. The people were in the world being actually, much of the time, being crucified for it, literally. I mean, being killed for being Christians. It was a federal offense. And so it was, that was the church we should think about. And that's the church that Francis lives with. The church in the world helping people every day. And, and and being beat up by the politicians and whoever for it. And so we have to go back to that. We, the Roman Empire, we, when the Roman Empire <clears throat> collapsed, the church took over that, that whole bureaucracy of the Roman Empire and became a, law, a church of laws. And Francis is saying, no, this is the church of people, of Christ, of Christ's love for the people right here today, right now. And he talks like that. And God bless him because look at the response he gets. It's a beautiful response. He's loved by everyone, uh, at least uh, yeah. people outside the church, just as much as those yeah. inside the church. He's a, he's a pure uh, image of Jesus. He's touching everybody, everybody. Yes, that's true. Truly is. Something that you said struck me. Christ is the presence of divinity in the universe. Live a life of love and goodwill. Yeah. And that is the Christ in us. Yes, that's a big that. Because if uh, when if you read the first first line of Genesis, in the beginning God created the, the heavens and the earth. That's not exactly right. In the beginning, while God was creating the heavens and the earth, a wind blew across the new creation at the same time, which means. At the very moment that God created the universe, which was which is a complete array of consciousness, the spirit of God was in in the in the creation. There was never a time when God and creation were separated. I mean, God created a spirit-filled world. The spirit, and then the, so the presence of divinity in in creation is Christ. You can say that what happened is God anointed the universe with his presence. And the, and so the universe is the anointed one of divinity. It's, the, it's anointed with divinity. And the Hebrew word for the anointed one is Messiah. And the, the Christian word, I mean, the, the Latin word for Messiah is Christus, is Christ. So Christ is the reality of the div, ultimate divinity and present throughout the universe. That's the Christ. And Jesus was in that, that ultimate reality, God's presence in the universe in one person, one particular person who appeared 2,000 years ago. Jesus is all in all. He is all of divinity in the universe. And that's why he said, only through me, you can only come through me. Even if a person is not a Christian, not a Catholic, if they relate in love to reality, they're going to do it through Jesus because he's the human being who was all that. 
I don't know if I'm getting too complicated. But everything you look, everything you touch, everyone you see, you're touching Christ. Everything. This computer I'm looking at, it's, 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 it's an expression of Christ. Because if divinity wasn't in, in it, it wouldn't exist. Because if God wasn't in it, it wouldn't be here. You're kind of going along with something Francis said once when, when he was asked, will atheists be able to go to heaven? And he said, who am I to judge? Exactly, yeah. I mean, you say atheists. It's people who, well, I won't say who atheists are. I'm going to say this. Anybody who loves is going to go to heaven. And people can get angry. They can be very angry and hate and all that. But they may do that because they love. They, so you don't judge. You don't judge. Now, I can get angry at someone because I love that person and I'm not doing. Or as Jesus said on the cross, they don't know what they're doing. God, no, this man, this, this, forgive this man. He doesn't know what he's doing. So go back to that. If you can show love, if you have a love in your heart, and everybody does, nobody goes to hell by accident. <laughs> if you're going to commit a sin, you have to know what you're doing. You have to want to do it. <laughs> so, so Jesus is, no, Jesus, he goes all the way. He goes all the way for us, you know, completely. One thing that you've said that I don't fully understand, you said after Hiroshima and the Holocaust, you feel that it was for you no longer possible to believe unquestionably in the natural goodness of man. <clears throat> I'm not sure I understand. No, I'm not sure if, if I said that correctly. I'm not sure. I don't remember saying that exactly. Well, maybe I misunderstood then. Yeah, what it is, is, well, we, now, we read the... Uh, Eden story and say, well, you know, we were born perfect and then we committed sin. No, that that's that comes from St. Augustine and a lot of things. No, what we are, we're born finite. Now, God can't create the infinite because the infinite is God and his own God and that's everything. So he creates us finite. That means we, he creates us in not perfect. But we're by nature not perfect. And since, and we have a shadow side because we're incomplete. The only time we're going to be complete is when we're in heaven. And so, in that complete incompleteness, in that shadow side, we do things wrong. And that's why, of course, God said, I will forgive you. Not 70 times seven, seven, 70 times seven times, which means always. So, what it, what it is, we, we do things wrong because we're finite. Finite means limited. And we, we work with a limited reality, and, if, and we're going to do things wrong. And God says, if you do things wrong, I will forgive you as long as you ask me. And, and I'll forgive you. So there, there's there's a universal reality of love in God, and there's no reason anybody has to go be, be condemned. There's no reason for it. And you've also said that as humans, we must recognize that we are henceforth destined to take on responsibility for the future of our planet. Oh, That's absolutely. our job. Yes. God's God, love. God created it, but it's up to us to keep things Yes. as perfect and as clean and as environmentally safe as possible. Absolutely. God's love is triune. It's creative. It creates the universe. It creates everything. It's saving in and through Jesus. And it's world transforming and world evolving through the Spirit. God calls us not from the past. God calls us from the future into the future. When we, when we hear God calling us, that's the future calling us. And He's calling us to develop 
evolve, bring the world closer to me. Thy kingdom come, my kingdom come, my father, bring it in the world. See? So he's saying always in the future, move forward, move forward, evolve, evolve in love, evolve in love. Absolutely. I want to ask you, we at CCR, we tried for several years to work with our bishops, to work with the various worldwide conferences of bishops to bring about the reform that Francis is asking. And finally, we've given up. Mm -hmm. Maybe not entirely, but we've, we've redirected our energy to put 80 or 85% of it into working with the laity because we see that, that change is only going to come from the bottom up. It's not ever going to come from the top down. Bishops as a whole do not want to let go of their power and share it with the laity. But we run into a similar obstacle in trying to work with the grassroots because for too many decades, the laity have been conditioned to take their guidance from the priests. Mm -hmm. And so they keep waiting for Father to say, you go forth, you make things happen, you bring about the change. We don't know any longer. We are struggling with getting through the, the breaking through the barrier that even the laity are just sitting there passively. How do we activate them? How do we make people realize this is up to us? Yes. <clears throat> well, Vatican II very well said it. I'll say it in my words. Grow up. Grow up spiritually as you grow up physically as you grow up mentally grow up you take you take responsibility for your family you take responsibility for the work you do you take responsibility for the environment take responsibility for your church for your for your spirituality it's yours take responsibility for it grow up and that's what vatican II wanted and that's what francis wants us to do and he says who am i to judge forget the judgments now the the bishops and the priests today are still being taught know that they're different, they're superior, they're, you know, they're the ones who talk to the laity. And you still have that child in the, in the laity. And it's hard to break, it's hard to break. But you have to, and that's what you're doing, so God bless you. Because, yeah, it's not a, it's not a revolution against the, the bishops or the priests. It's, it's, an, it's a growing up. It's a, a, just a... Yeah, an evolution of ourselves. It's a maturing. It's a spiritual maturing of ourselves. In my blog, I have my blog, the 21st Century American Catholic. I have a whole page on how this, what a, what a mature spiritually person is, and it is that kind of person. Take, the, you know, God is talking to you, and your family, and yourself, and your work, and your community, in the country, in the world. Answer him. You, 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 you already got the call. I mean, you know what you, you can tell what's what's needed and if you can't you, well don't what are you calling yourself a catholic for that's what it is catholic means here comes everybody to what to help to save the world to make the world beautiful and wonderful and, and love that's catholic it's a universal so do it keep at the keep at the lady tell them it's okay tell them it's okay in fact not only okay it's exactly what jesus is doing jesus gives everybody a vocation if we don't fulfill our vocation and we're telling Jesus, forget about it, no thanks. You know, many of us in the reform movement believe that a lot more understanding needs to be given to our baptism. Mm -hmm. Because we really understand that, that through our baptism, we are called to be priest, prophet, and king. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And right now, in this age of 
the virus. And today we happen to be recording this on Holy Thursday, 2020, when so many people are feeling an emptiness because they can't participate in the Triduum, the Holy Mm -hmm. Week services. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing is inviting people to join with us online in a safe environment in this Zoom room, the very room that we're recording this right now. And tonight we're having a Holy Thursday service. Tomorrow, Good Friday, the next day, Holy Saturday. And when it comes to the point of consecration, we're inviting people to have a, a piece of bread, a little cup of wine, mm. a candle lit, and set up their own altar in their own home. Mm-hmm. And together we recite the words, take this and eat. That is going to be very pleasing to God. I can absolutely guarantee you. That's perfect. That's exactly what God expects now. And we should feel, yeah, we should feel this fact that we, we can't do what we ordinarily do. And yet we're still the people of Jesus Christ. And what you're going to do is fulfill that. Yeah, that's when God is saying, do that, yeah, do that. You, you can do that. Yeah. You're, you're adults, do it. Yes. I, I have no doubt that Jesus approves, although I know that there will be some conservatives who are wondering, you know, can we really do this? But I think what wherever our faith takes us, Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him, mm-hmm. and we must do this. We are free to do this, even in this environment of restriction, of isolation. We can find ways to build the liturgy, to remember what our Christian faith is about, and especially in this period of Holy Thursday to Easter Sunday, the central core of our faith. Absolutely. In the early church, the, the, the Christians got together in their homes. Mary Magdalene was a, apparently a very a prominent woman. She was not a prostitute, she was a prominent woman. And she used to gather people in her homes and they said, do the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah, so, and, and, it, and it works. I mean, it counts, it counts. So yeah, you can do that, and especially at a time like this, absolutely. Get together and be the Christians you are. It's really an opportunity to return to the early days of the church, mm-hmm. when it was just people gathering in small little safe places, mm-hmm. sometimes in catacombs, sometimes hiding in their homes, yeah. but just doing this in remembrance of him. Mm-hmm. we That's what our faith is about. And certainly in this day and age, we have an opportunity like never before. Absolutely. Just gather. Yeah, we can undo six, 1,600 years of all kind of legalisms Yeah, right now. Because the church took over the, the form of the, uh, the Roman Empire. No, the set of an emperor, we had a pope, and then we had no set of the, the the senate, we had the cardinals, and so forth and so on. And so now no, that's going. That's got to go. That's what that's what Vatican II wanted to get rid of. That let's get a nice community of people sharing together, sharing the Eucharist together, and working in the world. We can help to make the world more human. Vatican II said, make the world more human. And on on that note, do you have any parting words for us? of how we, each one of us listening to this and being with you today, how we can build a more human world, a more human church, a a kinder, gentler place for us all to be. Yes, well, as you you believe in God and as you you believe and express the love of Jesus Christ for every person, no matter who, believe in yourselves 
Believe in yourselves, you can do this. In fact, you're called to do it. You're responsible to do it. Jesus expects you to do it. So, you know, you're not, you're not to encroach on Jesus. He's saying, please, please go do this. And so you're doing it in the fulfillment of him. And so do it in, with him, in him, and in his love, which he will pour upon you for, because you're doing this. And be sure of that. Dr. Anthony Massimini, it's so good to have you with us today. Thank you for sharing your lifetime of teaching and writings and reflections on your own vision of what spiritual theology is really all about. So good to have you with us. Thank you, Renee, and God bless you and your work and all the people you deal with. And to our audience, if you have any questions for Dr. Massimini, feel free to leave a message on our voicemail. We invite you all to be a part of this program. And until next time, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. God bless you all.